Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. It is such a pleasure tonight to have a wonderful lady who I just think the world of. Tonight, we have Esther with us. She is an amazing person, and I love being around her. Her spirit is just infectious, and I know you guys are going to love her as well. She is going to tell you uh, at the start a little bit about how her story started and a bit about herself. Esther, so nice to have you tonight. Hi, Deb. Thanks for having me. Uh, Four years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three locally advanced breast cancer that they did think at one point was inflammatory. My diagnosis came on very quickly. I happened to notice one day that my breast was hard and enlarged, and that was on a Sunday. So I immediately made an appointment with my primary care physician who saw me that same day that I called, and she instructed me to go and um, have an immediate mammogram done with an ultrasound. And she also told me at that time to make an appointment right away with a breast surgeon. So she did not tell me her thoughts specifically, but um, I could tell that something was not right. So I did follow up and I had my ultrasound and mammogram done that Wednesday and the radiologist told me there before that before I left that I had inflammatory breast cancer. I was very scared at the beginning. That was my first words to the radiologist. I, I have kids. Like what do you mean I have cancer? I have kids. You know, I can't like having kids is somehow a magic <laughs> like having kids is somehow a magic bullet right. to not get cancer. Right. <laughs> so Basically, within three days of finding the enlargement, I had a a diagnosis. And thankfully, I had taken my primary care physician's advice, and I had made an appointment with the breast surgeon. I went to see her soon after my diagnosis from the radiologist, and she confirmed in her office without a biopsy that this was absolutely cancer. And she gave me the opportunity to choose to have my biopsy done in the hospital while I got my port put in. So I didn't have to go through the pain of doing it in her office. It was all done while I was under anesthesia. Once she confirmed that via the biopsy and all the medical testing that they did, she gave me an incredible um, sort of map to follow. She told me who to call, in what order, and I followed her instructions to a T. And I have to say that, you know, she put me on such a good path. I can't say that there was one individual from any office on any level of service that made me uncomfortable. Everyone was incredible. And It just gave me a very good sense of well-being because early on I had made a decision to obviously make the best decisions I could, but then not second guess them as I went through. 
So make the decision and then follow it through. And um, that's how you and I met. I didn't even know what a radiation oncologist was when we first met. I remember that. <laughs> I remember having to really start at the beginning. Some patients I see after their surgery and their chemotherapy, but some patients I end up seeing at the start of all of this. And it was really nice to have the opportunity to meet you at the start of all of it and, you know, help tell you what the plan was going to be and mm -hmm. get everything rolling. Yes. So you had chemotherapy first. I had five and a half months of chemotherapy. And I think because I was so, the tumor was so large that it was decided that that was the best course of action. So my tumor was the size of a baseball. And uh, so the primary course of action was to try to shrink it and kill any systemic cancer. And so that was why I started with the chemo. So that was five and a half months. Subsequent to that, I had my mastectomy. And once that was done, I did 30 days of radiation with you. You had a reconstruction before the radiation, right? I did. Correct. Do you remember what type? Flap? <laughs> It was a deep flap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when, when people have reconstructions, there's, they can either have an implant or they can have some sort of tissue flap. Okay. And so you had, flap, a, you had a flap that took part of your own native tissue and reconstructed a new breast. Correct. I think that one of the things that's for a lot of young breast cancer patients, it is so long when you talk uh -huh. about the time from your first mammogram uh -huh. to the last radiation treatment, if you get the full court press for many people, it's a full year. And it's for year. some people, it's even more than that. Uh -huh. And it's a long time when you're starting out that process and you realize, oh my gosh, I need almost six months of chemotherapy and then I'm having major surgery and then I need a month to recuperate from that. And then I have five weeks of radiation. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to try and it is to try and think about it all at once. Like you really have to chunk it up into, all right, let me get through one step at a time. It, I think it's a very healthy approach because the other thing is if we try to take it on all at once, we really don't know all the dynamics that are going to occur during the process that would change that. So I went into chemo thinking five and a half months is an eternity. How am I going to do that? And then, you know, as you do it, one treatment, and then you go through that cycle, and then you go for another treatment, and you start to gain a little confidence about how things are gonna go and what you can expect. And it just builds on that, but I would, I, I think that I would have been a wreck trying to take it in all at once. So much to wrap your head around. What was the most challenging of all of the treatment for you? I think the most challenging thing, obviously my first day was sort of surreal just to, because everything had hit me so quickly and I was trying to process through so much information about something I really and truly did not know anything about. Uh, I do remember going into the medical oncologist's office and sitting there waiting to have my blood drawn and just sort of wondering what 
am I doing here? How is this going to be? Am I going to be sick to my stomach? Am I going to be able to take care of the kids? Am I going to be able to do all of the things that I normally do? So from the beginning, there was that particular moment. And then after that, I think it wasn't a negative challenge, but I did challenge myself to try to stay as healthy and well during the process as I could. And what that meant was that a lot of the things that I normally would have eaten were no longer part of my diet. And I incorporated a lot more exercise into my days. I do think that it paid off, although I'm sure that I can't quantify that. But choosing a healthy lifestyle, especially during that time, I did find that it gave me a lot more energy. It showed me that I can do those things. I actually do have the discipline to make good choices for myself. And that was something that I worked on throughout. So I did challenge myself not to slip off that path during that time. And were you coming into the radiation really feeling pretty good, you know, despite having had chemotherapy and major surgery, from what I recall, you came in and in pretty good shape compared to how some people do. And really at that point, you were so upbeat, even from the start, I found that you were really, you had made a decision that you were going to attack it with what you had in your arsenal, which was healthy eating and exercise, but that you were also going to attack it with your mindset. Absolutely. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it gave me an opportunity to explore my faith in a deeper way. And the combination of medicine coupled with health, wellness, and faith, just it was a winning combination for me. And it was a real source of strength. That's wonderful. At a time when, you know, when reality, the reality was I had to face my own mortality. And I did do that. I, I did not avoid that. I am confident in my faith for the next life. And so if that's where this path took me, I knew I would be okay. But at the same time, I do feel like life is a gift and I didn't want to squander any moment that I had. It's really hard when you've got kids that are still at home. I know you've got two kids and how mm -hmm. old were they when you were diagnosed? So Aaron would have been 13 and Colin would have been 14. How did they take that? The original breast surgeon that I worked with, Dr. Kling, she gave us some very good advice. And she said, obviously you're going to be honest with them, but you only tell them what you know right now. And you let them know as it progresses, what else you learn. So, and at the beginning we told them at dinner, um, cause I had told them there was a good chance already that I have cancer and that this, the Dr. Kling had confirmed it. And you know, that it was a serious diagnosis, but we have a plan. I remember Colin saying to me, he looked at me and he goes, it's going to be okay. And I said, yeah, it is. It's going to be okay. Either way, it's going to be okay. And we followed her guidance or her, her directive 
the whole way through. So as I was going through chemo, I would tell them, this is the kind of chemo I'm getting now. And in two more weeks, I'm going to transition to a different kind of chemo. So we'll see how I feel during that. I have to say, thank God for how I reacted to treatment because I did so well with it that not much changed for my kids. They didn't want to see me without my hair. So they wanted me to wear the, the scarf that I wore all the time. They did not want to see me bald. But I continued to work full time. I continued to have a social life, probably a larger social life than I have uh, during my healthy years. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly more than a of a social life than you have today with uh, COVID going on. <laughs> you know, I really, really focused on what I have, not what I'm striving for, not what I wish I had, but what do I have today? There's, um, such, a, there's such a piece in really focusing in the moment of what's going well today and what am I grateful for today and not maybe not focusing on what next week or next month or next year has that really brings so much peace. You know, and it could have been the simplest things, but I, I looked for those good things every day. I know for you as well, your faith has had a lot to do with this because I know that, that your faith got stronger during cancer. I think that's a challenge for some people. You know, there was a business, I think it was a Taylor Rental, and they always put little quotes on their marquee outside. And before I started treatment, there was a quote up there that said, know the truth and act on it. And I thought, okay, what are the truths of my faith that I say that I embrace? Once I started digging down into what I view as God's promises to us, you know, this whole treasure opened up to me that it's like, oh, well, if that's the truth, then this is for you. Know the truth and act on it. So I was able to act on the faith that I had because I was accepting that as, as truth. And that spilled over into my eating habits. What's the truth? Is that food good for you? Is that food going to help your cancer? Or is it going to put you at a disadvantage? And I started to think about all of that and realized that I was in a fight and I was in a fight for my life. And if it meant I didn't have the soda or the candy or the whatever, then that's what it was going to, that's what it meant for me because I was in a fight. Right. And I was going to fight. If I lost, I lost, but I wasn't going down without a fight. And that's Absolutely. how I chose to fight with everything you had at your disposal and everything that medicine had at its disposal. I love yes. that. Yes. I, it was, I call it an integrated approach. I integrated it myself, you know. Um, and who better? You know, we all know what our bodies want and need. We don't have to look outside of ourselves always to find what makes our body feel like it's fueled in a healthy way. And we don't have to look outside of ourselves to know what exercise feels good and right to our bodies. I think especially, I tell people all the time in the middle of cancer treatment that I think it's so important to really listen to your body. I get asked all the time about exercise and I really tell people that 
I don't dictate one way or the other. If it feels good to you, great, do it. If it stops feeling good to you, great, listen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. listen to your body. Don't keep forcing it if it's not feeling good. And people ask me all the time, what should I eat? And, you know, what I really tell them is the only big thing I have to say is I think less processed is better than more processed. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't give a whole lot of strong advice in terms of food. But I do think that the less processed we eat, probably the better for us it is. And perhaps, you know, for me, recognizing that there was so much out of my control, I knew that there were those things that I could control. And that was my eating and my exercise. And those were two things I was able to control. Right. It's so good to have some sense of control in this, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without being able to do something good for myself, I, I think that there may have been a little less hope. I did have a lot of hope. And I think that you even brought that up in our initial consultation just just the, the theme and the topic of hope. I remember you saying the hope is that it hasn't met, um, metastasized. metastasized. And I remember hearing you say the hope, the hope is that this, this hasn't gone elsewhere in your body. And I kind of just really focused on that, that hope. And you said a couple of other things. I remember you saying that our thoughts, how much our thoughts have to do with our well-being. You didn't tell me my thoughts could heal me, you know, and I think you even said it, you can't, I don't think you can think your way out of this, but your thinking does impact your outcome. Right. And I do wholeheartedly believe that. And I hung on to that. I think, you know, I think what it is, is Thoughts alone aren't going to cure you, but if you think you're going to be cured of this, I think it increases the odds of you being cured. And conversely, I really believe that if you tell yourself every day that this is going to kill you, you increase the odds that it's going to kill you. There's so many reasons for that, but I think that you know what you tell yourself really makes a difference in going through cancer treatment. I got a hold of that concept after you said that to me and you know i sort of mentally tested it throughout the whole course of every kind of treatment and i will say that when you choose a certain thought pattern you also act that thought pattern out absolutely and so when you say i can't beat this well you're never you're not going to try to beat it when you say i can do this this and this to make it better you know I, I can come through this. There are other people ha- who have survived this. That was one of the best things I could have ever done was to have a read of people's successes that they survived it. That gave me hope to then say, you know what, I do have hope. And in that hope, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z that will not harm me and can only help me. Our and, um, thoughts do drive our outcomes. Right. And now you're doing the same thing for other people. So I just want to remind everybody right now that Esther was diagnosed with an inflammatory breast cancer, and we're here four years later, and we're, I think we're past four years, aren't we? A little past. A little past. Yeah. Yes. A little past four years, and so far, so good. 
That is an amazing thing. My, another note, notable event was that my tumor shrunk from the size of a baseball or an orange to nothing. It went to a pinpoint in size in five and a half months. Amazing, isn't it? So it's such a blessing. Zing. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> How many different ways can you say amazing? amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I actually have two questions. Out of the whole process, what is your favorite memory? And what's the best thing you gained out of all of this? A favorite memory. Uh, you know, this is going to sound so bizarre, but I loved every minute of it. I actually, I thought you were going to answer that you, um, I remember you talking about the, the chemotherapy area, um, and how much you loved the camaraderie there and how, you know, the patients all supported each other and the nurses all supported the patients. Okay. That's a better answer. Then oh, no, I it. would go in and have fun with the doctor and <laughs> you you always you always made everyone laugh for sure. Um you were one of those people that we all looked forward to seeing because you were always oh, okay. smiling and laughing and you know but I believe you liked every minute of it. Well, no, I don't believe you liked every you know, minute of it. I bet you loved liked a lot more minutes than you thought you were going to of it. Absolutely. One of my favorite times was just sitting while I got my chemotherapy in the chemo room with all of the nurses. And sometimes I would run into patients, you know, time after time, and we we would chit chat and became a little bit friendly. But the nurse, the nursing staff just made the four hours more than palatable. They made it fun. They made it warm. They made it comfortable. I actually think this is something that lots of people who are supporters with a loved one who has cancer really struggle with is trying to figure out what they can do that helps people. So can you tell us some of the things that you thought were the most helpful that people did? And also some of the things that people said that resonated the best with you? Absolutely. So some of the most helpful things that I found were early on, a friend of ours bought a big, huge cooler and stuck it on our deck and sent an email blast to friends and family that said, you know, there's a cooler on the deck. If you think about it and you, you know, have a minute to drop off dinner, just put it in the cooler and they'll get it when they come home. And we had some dinners on some pivotal days. You know, the the first cancer treatment day, the day that I went for my surgery to get my port in, we had food delivered. The food piece was a lot, especially with with kids because and teenage kids. So there was a lot of text communication. There were I had a lot of gifts sent to me in the mail. And I think it wasn't so much the gift, but it was just the sentiment that came with it. There were people who reached out to me that I hadn't seen in 25 years, you know, that I grew up with. 
And to me, it was a lot of incoming love. And that did do something for me emotionally. I think that there's something to that as well in terms of the healing process. When you are emotionally well, it provides a good foundation for healing. Right. All that love is such a better place for things to be going on in your body than a place of, you know, anger or fear. Absolutely. And that was my experience. Now, I was very open to all of that. And that was just how I chose to deal with cancer. Some people are very private about it. But for me, I told everyone it there was you know it was i was just out there with it and the response was really heartwarming and i and i do believe 100% that it helped in my healing process yeah it's just the outreach in and whatever form it came in in whatever just the, form just the i'm thinking about you and however it came absolutely <laughs> uh, i think you asked me i was given a lot of good advice and i took it and I never came across a reason not to. So I kept pursuing it. I love that. I love that you were open to hearing what people had to offer and take it in the best way that you possibly could. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things too when you're a cancer patient is sometimes you go into it with a negative sense mm-hmm. and then things people say trying to be loving just rub you the wrong way. And, you know, everyone has an opinion. And for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they're not coming with those opinions in any other way other than from a good perspective. And yet sometimes good advice still has to be sorted through and you have to pick what's the best advice for you. The final question I have for you today, if you had the option to give up your cancer and never have it, but give up everything that went with it, everything that you learned, everything that you've experienced, would you give up your cancer and erase it from your life? So my answer to that is that um, while I never wanted cancer and I don't ever want it again, I would never want to give up this experience. I learned things in that one year period that I did not know the first, you know, 47 years of my life. I met people that I would never have met otherwise who, you know, just have brought so much joy to my life. I had experiences that I never would have, it would never have even crossed my mind prior to that. And my life and my circles have been expanded as a result. I would not give it up. No way. I wouldn't have you give it up either. <laughs> Esther, it was so nice to have you here tonight. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I think you're such an inspiration. And I, I know there are going to be lots of women who are scared at the start of their breast cancer journey who are going to listen to this and find a lot of hope and inspiration from this. So thank you so thank much you for so being much. with us. Thanks for I letting me talk with you my soon. story. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, 
ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.